Paper scissors. We here. Brock's here. Abdur's here. Let's get it. Tell us what's going on. What up? What up? What's good, fam? Um, I'm doing something different, man. I'm a little. I'm outside recording, just getting some of this nice 70 plus weather up here in this over New England weather. Okay. Well, y'all may hear buses, horns, and all that, but that's cool. That's cool. I'm enjoying this weather. The sounds of outside are always good, man. Absolutely. Yeah, y'all, y'all don't let Chris fool you, man. Chris stay out in suburbia. You know it ain't no public transportation out there. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yo, I kind of, kind of, I want to start off like this. So, um, for people who do, who don't know, I'm doing a docu series called "From Sons Sons to Dads," and it's basically it's gonna be a it's a barbershop conversation, but was a therapeutic conversation with dads talking about the ups, downs, the joys, the struggles, all and everything in between with, with, with fathers. I mean, we're talking stepdads, new dads, old dads, all fathers. And I'm, I'm filming it here in Springfield at, at my man's brewery, White Lion Brewery. Shout out to my man, Ray Berry. And I hi, I got a real movie producer, movie uh, director, Steven Six Josie. I want to shout him out, too. And I did a GoFundMe because hiring a real film director is not cheap. And he ain't doing it for the love of the art. He, you know, he got to make a living like everybody else. But... What I want to talk to y'all about is how do y'all feel about the importance of something like that, what I'm doing, like, you know, from sons to dads talking about that. The I think importance it's of it? Do you see importance in it? Do you see any absolutely? I'm sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, um, no, no, go, go. I mean, it's absolutely important. Um, I mean, I think that there is at, at some point the importance of the father-son relationship, um, especially when you're talking in black communities, was lost. Now, depending on who you ask, that could be blamed on who the big, bad, evil white man. That could be blamed on men. A lot of women will say, oh, you know, father's just left. It could be um, Willie Lynch syndrome. It could be a, it could be a lot of things that... Um, spearheaded that and and that continued to perpetuate um, some of those generational curses and cycles. Um, but regardless of here the countryside, I mean, regardless of who shot John, the fact of the matter is that that relationship and the and the importance of it, the significance of that father son relationship in black communities has been um, minimized to say the least. So to um, bring it back to the forefront, I think is extremely important. I think it's fly. Absolutely. I think it's, you know, not only something as, as Brock said, it's needed. It's, it's not really showcased as much as it should be, but I think, um, you know, the son to dad dynamic as we're all fathers in and have been sons, um, you know, a lot of times we don't really get 
that pat on the back from from anybody, you know, like a pure pat on the back, like you're doing a good job because I know what you sacrifice as a man to sustain a family. And sometimes I can only come from a son that comes through that with their father and then becomes a man himself. And then he starts to realize and recognize all the sacrifices that that father made. And I don't think that that part gets highlighted, that transition from a son to a father and a recognition of the sacrifices of your ancestors before you and the things that they shrink to themselves to maybe even just put food on the table for their children. And I think for me, one of the biggest realizations of becoming a father was the day I became a father, I felt no different. There was nothing magical that happened to me that made me feel like, oh, I'm automatically a dad. So now I'm going to kick into this kind of, you know, super dad type of strength. And it was just making proper decisions. And it, it also put forgiveness in my heart for maybe some of the stuff that I went through with my parents to see that, oh, snap, they weren't just mom and dad, but that was just a man and a woman. And looking at my father as a man, he sacrificed a lot just being consistently there as a father. So for me, it's a big deal because I feel like we have the opportunity to really highlight men um, in that transition from adolescence into manhood and showcase it in a way, Chris, um, that it hasn't been done before. All right. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Um, and yeah, so I'm I'm gonna be sitting down with dads, and we're just gonna I'm gonna ask them questions that probably no one has probably ever asked them in their life. One question in particular is: When you first found out you were gonna be a dad, and you're in that hospital, and that baby to be born, what is going through your mind? And, yeah like for, for me personally it was like yo I'm about to be responsible for a whole human being like like this person is about to rely on me for the next 18 years to clothe feed nurture all of that and I'm 21 years old so yeah so, yes, those are the type of conversations I'm going to have with these dads all right, so I, I want to give for me, and I mean I may, I may be um, it may be a bit of a spoiler alert on my on my part, but you know, hey, we'll get into it deeper. But for me, my first child was my daughter, um, and I could I felt a lot like Ab. I, I view being a parent kind of like honestly, I feel people should view. Marriage. A lot of times you hear people say, um, oh, well, you're not going to get, you know, a female says to a guy, you're not going to get wifey treatment till you put a ring on it, right? Mm -hmm. Where, And I, I see that as asinine because the way I view my wife, my wife was, she was a wife before. She was, yep. she was acting as a wife yep. to me before um, we got married. It was just a matter of me making her my wife. I, and the same goes for me being a father. I was already in the mindset of being a father before my children were here. Now I will say, so so when my when my daughter was born, my first daughter, it was like, all right, cool. This is what we, you know. Let, let's let's get to it. Um, now I will say that there was a bit of a difference when my son was born. Because I have, for those who don't know, I have two daughters. Two, I have two daughters and a son. My son is the youngest. And I mean, you 
you know, you can call it me being, a, you know, a typical dad, or you can say that it's, you know, chauvinistic. You can call whatever the hell you want. I call it. I really don't give a shit. But what it is is this: when I when my daughters were were born, of course, I'm pouring into my daughters as you know the example of what a man should be in their life, and just doing everything I can to make them the best human beings that they can be to society. But for whatever reason, when my son was born, I looked at it like, oh, shit, I have to teach him how to be a man and release him to the world. Whereas when I looked at my daughter, I kind of looked at my daughter's like, hey, you know what? I'm going to give them everything that I got. And, you know, and I'm going to release them to the world as well. But daughters can always, you, you can come back to daddy. If, if you got issues, I got you. Mm-hmm. Whereas when I saw my son, it was like, Oh, I have to release him and expect him to be a competent, functioning, morally sound member of society. Right. And he can't always run back to me. Right. And I don't I don't know why I looked at it that way, but I did. Because that's that's the nature of being a man. It's that part. I think you might have summed it up perfectly, Brock. And I don't even have to go into, you know, my perspective on it right now. I'll save that for um, you know, the show, but what you said is is important. You're exactly right. We're not preparing the difference. The big difference is when we have our sons, we're literally preparing them to take care of their own. You know what I'm saying? So, and not to knock daughters and we, we raise our daughters to, to do the same, but in this society, we also raise our daughters to, you know, one day, hopefully give them away to a, to a successful and, and healthy marriage too. You know what I'm saying? And in the construct of society, as we see it today, you know what I mean? So when we're raising our sons, it's a different kind of pressure because one, as a black father, you already know that you have to ha- help him to beat out those statistics before he's 20, 28 years old. He has all of those. So now you got to train him not only to be successful in society, but pr- to protect him from our own people and, and to dodge some of those landmines that our own people, um, you know, put before us. And then you have to, you know, instill in him certain values and the ways to conduct themselves so that not only he can provide for himself, but he can sustain himself enough to provide for somebody else. And that's a mind job when you really kind of sit back and think about your position as a father when you have a brand new child on your hands, you know? And that's where I think a lot of my forgiveness for my parents came in was at that moment because I realized the pressures. And at the same time, I realized I didn't magically change. I was still the same, you know, scruffy not knowing much about the world or finances kid that I was you know before I became a father the only difference is now I just had this responsibility that would die if I didn't do what I had to do you know what I'm saying so I I think you said it right Brock we we prepare our children um but we set the tables for them a little differently between our daughters and sons we have to prepare our sons to build a table and and to set it and to make sure he can sit at the head of it properly Okay. Okay. So, yep, that's what I'm doing. That's my project. And you know, it is, I have a GoFundMe. So if anybody is more than willing to go support it, we would greatly appreciate it. Um, all right. Jumping on to the next subject. Everybody's familiar with, you know, Sierra. Sierra, fine. That's it. Sierra is fine. Unless y'all know that. Um, the mother, she has a child with the uh, rapper Future. 
and she's currently married to NFL quarterback Russell, Russell Wilson. Now, there has been probably for, I don't know, last couple of years, this comparison of future and Russell Wilson and, you know, how she went, like, almost full extreme. She went from a rapper to a what society labels as a, you know, corny football player with, with like, with no, with no swag. And I'm I'm trying to figure out, <laughs> I'm trying to figure out why we are struggling with because she is married to Russell Wilson and Homeboy is just a laid back dude that's not that's not out there in the world causing all types of ruckus. Do you really want the answer? Or do you want the politically correct one? Yeah, because there's definitely two. There's definitely I mean, several. I mean, two two things can be right. So just I mean, no, get, no, they ain't. I mean, two things can be right, but yeah, I just right. give, just give me give me. I mean, give I mean, give me Brock's feedback. I I I'm, I got my seatbelt on. I'm ready. <laughs> the, the, the fact of the matter is, it doesn't fit the narrative, and that's why he is considered last. Because I mean, if being a multi-million dollar quarterback with morals that doesn't have multiple baby mamas, um, is seems to be you know a morally sound guy. He's into. You know, he's into his religious beliefs. You know, I'm not saying that that's what you have to be, but cool. He's into his religious beliefs. He's in the family. He's raising his children. He has a banging spouse who has who has her own stuff going on, too, and could very well be taking care of herself. Um, If that's lame, sign me up. <laughs> Word. <laughs> because, because the, but it doesn't fit the narrative. It doesn't, and, and you know what? And I'm gonna I'm take it a step deeper. It doesn't, and I'm not talking about the narrative of what oh white people want to depict for black folks. It don't. It doesn't fit the narrative that we want to depict for our damn selves. Because exactly. what do a lot of people? What a lot of people out here saying? Oh, you gotta have swag. And you gotta have all the hoes. And you got, you know, you got three or four baby mamas, and they all running back to you. You can run back to your ex anytime, and I can do this and I can do that. Oh, I'm gonna shoot up the club, and I'm a dip, and I'm making my money, and whoopie whoopie whoop. Or the females that are talking about, oh, niggas ain't shit, and he left me for this bitch, and he got four baby mamas over here, and Dr. Russell Wilson does not fit the narrative that we have painted for our damn selves and continue to paint. That's why that's why he got called last because he does not fit the narrative, and that narrative does nothing but create the, the, an environment for us to make excuses for our damn selves, whether it's in um, whether it's our success or failures in relationships, our success or our failures monetarily, our success or our failures in fucking life in general. Those narratives allow us to make excuses for ourselves, and Russell Wilson shits on that. So he has to be something other than cool because he doesn't match what we're supposed to be. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Abdur, let's go. And honestly, and on 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 a and Brock is kind of right though. On a on a day-to-day -day scale, it's a lot harder to, to to be a Russell Wilson than it is to be a future. You could be a bum off, you know what I'm saying, and be a future. You could be a future in your own right in your own world and not have a dollar. So I think a lot of times you know, excluding white people out of this conversation and dealing with how we look at ourselves, like Brock said, it's a lot easier for somebody that's a regular street dude 
to look at somebody like myself that, you know, might not have the, 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 the year to date vehicle might not have certain things I come around and I, I'm in my construction clothes. A lot of days, you know, my life is, is based off of stability and, and consistency and I'm not popping and partying. I don't have the jewelry and all the flash that they might think that makes somebody like me cool, but they can pull into the projects with a Mercedes Benz and, and, and be as, you know, and, and be looked and I'll be looked at next to them pulling up in my little truck and I'll be looked at as a corny guy that owns his own property, raises his children, goes to work every day and makes a decent living. And the people be looking at me like I'm a lame. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. I just think that the algorithms are screwed up in our society and it's going to take, uh, you know, good people, successful people, people that may have at one point looked at as the cool guys to break that kind of algorithm. Remember, we had this conversation on the pod before about we have to make some of this stuff labeled as corny. Like, yo, future having five baby mamas and 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 not marrying not one of them women and and being in his lives on a kid's lives on a on as a consistent level as he could be. That's, that's corny, corny as fuck. That's corny to me. You know what I'm saying? And moving around and 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 being wasteful with his bread and, and telling kids to pop pills. You know what I'm saying? That's corny to me. But yet we need people that have a bigger voice than myself that has done certain things and, and, and the children and the youth look at them in a certain light to where they start saying things are corny. Maybe it gets picked up and it might not happen in our generation or the generation below us, but it could happen with the eight, nine, 10, 11 year olds when they start seeing certain things from certain people. You know what I mean? But you got to understand there's a lot of images and imagery that push the narrative of future for us to be like that versus pushing us to be like Russell Wilson. Now, they do push sports on us, but they don't push the overall package of once you get into being a professional athlete, you know, how to take care of your money, having one woman, you know what I'm saying, not being that chauvinistic, you know what I mean, jerk that's just dating multiple women and treating them like crap, but literally seeking one out, not only having a family with that woman, but raising her child from another man and doing it as it's your own. And making it look fairly fun and easy. Now, like Brock said, if that's corny, well, sign me up. Because that man and his family will never know any type of financial pain. And it looks like he's going to do the best that he can to protect them in ways that future is not protecting, you know, the emotions of his own children. You know? I looked at it two different ways. I looked at it. One, first off, we don't know what happened with future in Sierra's um, relationship that caused them to break up. And uh, we can know, speculate considering the fact that you know what I don't want to speculate. I would, if if I could, I would just want to know the actual truth because I mean, we don't know what goes on in anybody's relationship, but okay, she went from a rapper that was out there and she said, you know what, this ain't working, let me go, let me go a different route, let me just go get a a, a brother that's not in this industry and you know, see how it works out. And she just happened to like strike gold. She got a good dude and, and embraced her son, and she's happy. But I don't even think it's the industry, her seeking out the industry. I think she just found just a good human being. You know what I'm saying? Because it doesn't matter the industry. There's dirtbag athletes all over the place. You know what there I'm saying? Is, yes. But I don't think she sought it out. Well, I just I'm saying she that, went from one industry to a different one. You know, I, I, I guess maybe. You know, looking for no, a different no, outcome. Te- technically speaking, she didn't because they're both in entertainment. Yeah, but I mean, one's one's in music and the other one's an athlete. That's what I mean. I, yeah. So, so I, I just feel like 
it's just about the person. You know what I mean? You could have somebody that raps and does music and, and have a decent kind of set of morals on his hands and want to treat a woman just like how Russell Wilson is and still be in a rap game. There's plenty of men like that. They might not get highlighted as much, but I'm sure there are. There's a lot of, like, Styles P's married and raises his children every day. You know what I'm saying? Now, you might see the, hear the gangster rap only part of that side of him, but that's a family man. You know what I'm saying? Uh, we knew that when we saw him on Versus in that damn soccer dad outfit. Yo, that's <laughs> a fact, though. Because you don't care what nobody thinks. And he said, like, why are you asking me about my sneakers? Like, man, there's certain things that a certain type of man exactly. don't concern himself with. He don't shit. concern himself with. You know what I mean? So he I doesn't concern himself with some. any of that other stuff. And so, so my second point is... Ooh, my second point is... um brothers probably look at Russell Wilson as this corny dude with this fly woman and there's a sense of jealousy that kicks off in their mind and that's why they gotta label him corny okay because... well, my question is why though why do they see why do brothers see him as corny bro like for I, real, don't for real. I, I don't know bro I swear I couldn't answer why I don't like people say Tim Duncan was corny I mean, but, Tim, Duncan need a, Tim Duncan needed a lineup, but... Oh, okay, yeah, Tim Duncan just needed a different barber. That's about it. <laughs> Yo, we, know, we, know, we know what it is, though. That's the, the sad part. I don't think we just... We don't want to say it. The way that we think in our hood mentality, in our society as a core, is based off of all foul shit. You know what I'm saying? He's not gun-toting. He's not, you know what I mean, talking down about his women. He's not selling drugs. He's not the wildest person. He's not ridiculously stupid with his money. He's not wearing all types he of things. He enunciates when he speaks. Yeah, exactly. Exactly right. <laughs> and he's respectful. He's kind. And he doesn't have to fake show his strength. So in our society, those are all signs of a man that's about to get played, a man that's about to, is a man that's weak, and a man that really doesn't have much because he isn't flashing and showing, you know, his money on his neck and on his wrist and in his vehicles. You know what I'm saying? And not to say he doesn't have these things, but that's not the first thing that he puts out for himself to represent himself. And in our society, those are the first things we put out by ourselves. It's like, you know, we put the guns, before, you know, the butter before the guns. You know what I'm saying? As my man said in Baby Boy, we mm -hmm. want all the stuff that don't hold no value and no weight and make it seem like we're about something. But the things that really have value and really build us up are the things that we don't tend to invest our money and time and energy into. So I think Russell Wilson just represents that one side of that hard work, that consistency, that respectful, that side that's a lot harder to obtain and a lot harder to sustain versus being just some hood dude that can, you know, get a couple of dollars real quick, look a certain way, but not put none of that foundation down to represent, you know what I mean, the community properly. Oh, okay. All right. Shifting gears again, we in third gear. What are y'all views on newly appointed Supreme Court Justice Katanji Jackson Brown Jackson? Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I don't really know much I'm about this. Slave for saying this. I... All right. Uh, as I'll go far first. as her, as go far first, as her past judgment, oh, go ahead, go ahead. I don't care. She looks like she Damn. looks like all the rest to me. I don't care. She looks like all the rest. You know, when you get to a certain point in this society, in this government, 
like she's already marked as being safe or she wouldn't be there. You know what I'm saying? And I don't want to bring up the white husband, but that seems like a prerequisite. You know what I'm saying? Or having some type of white lineage in your family to be deemed as safe. Maybe it isn't. Congratulations. Personally, I'm tired of all the first black this and the first black that. I don't, I'm, I'm getting exhausted by it all. I don't but care. But that, that's, that's not our, uh, the first is not our fault. I get it. I'm just uh, tired. I don't care it about totally it. It's totally our fault. It ain't you know totally what I'm saying? But I'm just, I'm just exhausted by it all. And the tokenism of it all, instead go. of the substance <laughs> behind why she's in there and what she's going to do once she gets in there is what bothers me. Like I said, you've been hearing about her name for all of this time, but yet nobody talks about what she's done with that power. It's just the first black woman this and the first black woman that. To a degree, we have to understand that that's insulting to us. You know what I'm saying? To only showcase color. You know what I'm saying? Or the outward look. What did she do is what I care about. What did she vote on? Who did she put away? Why did she put that person away? Was there any type of understandings in her judgment for our position and our plight? Is she coming into that position to run numbers up for her own personal success? Or is she in that position to really make change and to really look at black and brown people getting railroaded in the system and trying to do things the right way? Not saying that she has to be blind to that and, and she should do her job properly and convict the wrong and, and make proper judgments. But they didn't give us any of that. So when you ask me, what do I care? Am I happy that another system made it? Does that trickle down in some way, shape, or form to our people? Obviously it does. It gives us a better look. However, I feel like we get too caught up and how a person looks versus what that person is going to do when they get into a position. And that's my thing on it. And I don't really know what she's going to do. And they didn't showcase enough of what she did for me to care about it at this point. So it is what it is. We'll see, I guess. Okay. So um, I did look into some of her past judgments and things of that nature. And for the most part, she is... Um, she is conservative, conservatively liberal. So she's kind of right in the middle, um, more liberal leaning, more liberal leaning than conservative. But she does have enough conservative views about her to where she just where the, where, where the red side would wouldn't just say, "Oh hell no." So she is safe in that regard. Um, I just feel like it's just a token pick. And mm-hmm. and that's why I said I would get slave for because I, I mean at the end of the day I feel like it's it's just a straight up token pick and when I say token pick I'm I mean from optics to views to everything she checks yep. every box she's mm-hmm. a woman she is a dark skinned black woman she is pretty much a centrist in views but le- but liberal enough leaning to where in this current liberal society that we're in she's acceptable and she's married to a white dude all the box like she checks every box humanly possible that's a yawn fest for me i'm yawning i'm exhausted so, by I, I, i'm not saying that she's not qualified because I mean, she obviously is. She's more not, qualified she, than the last two. I just want to put that yeah, out there. Yeah, I'm not because she obviously is. But see, but what I'm saying about her, I feel the same way about the last two. <laughs> like you know, right. I, that, that, I, so I'm not I'm not saying this to 
to throw shade at a sister. I promise I'm not. But I'm also looking at it for the politics that it is. And to me, it was a chess move. It was a chess move to say, hey, look, black folks, I did something for y'all. Well, so for me, it's le- for me, the way my feelings of it are less about her and more about what Joe is trying. Forgive me. You know what? I'm not going to be that disrespectful. I'm not going to be. No, because no, I'm not going to be that disrespectful just because I think that regardless of who's in office, I'm going to address them as the president of the United States because that's who they are at the time or the seat that they're holding at the time. So that being said, I applaud the fact that she's put in the work and has the um, and has the CV to um, be able to put her in a position to be able to accept accept the nomination. But I can't help but look deeper into it and wonder, Joe, what are you trying to? Uh, I said it again, President Biden. What are you trying to pacify me with? What are you? What are you not giving us that you said you were going to? But you know, instead giving us this. This that's the part where it's insulting. That's the insulting part I'm getting at, Brock. You're 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 exactly right. How do I look past all the stuff that you guys refuse to do, and all the things that you say you're gonna do that are tangible, that actually can put real equity back in our community that you refuse to do, but you continue to put these token people or these pieces into place that at the end of the day, once they're in place, nothing changes anyway. You know what I mean? It ain't like this sister was in the underground and. You know, she was doing a civil rights movement coming up and you were hearing about all of this stuff she was doing for black people on the ground and raising money for families and this, this and that. Not saying that she's never done it, but what I'm saying is it's not like she's been a champion for our people and then she rises in the ranks and now it's her time and in, 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 in the United States government and these senators are looking at her like, yeah, we need somebody like that because that really represents where they come from. It's not that. And I guarantee you they're putting that in position because it will be more beneficial to the Democrats than it will be to actual black people but they wholesale it as this is good for black people. And I'm tired of that part. That's the insulting part. What is it good? What is it? What is she going to do? That's going to be good for me. What are your policies that's going to get brought to her? That's going to change my life. Cause as of right now, things is only getting worse. The wealth gap is only getting bigger. You know what I'm saying? We're still getting gunned down and we're still going to jail and our kids still can't read at an adequate level coming out of high school. So again, what is she going to actually do? And what have they told us that she was going to do? that's going to actually make a difference. So again, to, 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 to your point, President Joe Biden, this is just another political stunt, some more optics for headlines so that when people go into the voting booth, it gives them something to bite onto to, to, to keep them in power. That's it. And that's why to me it's insulting. Nothing against the sister. I'm sure like you were, she's, I'm sure she's overly qualified as we always have to be. But she checks all of those boxes. And sometimes when you check every box, something ain't right. Oh, and let's not forget the one major box that she checks. Timing. They damn sure pushed this in before the midterms, didn't they? Oh, yeah, of course. It's Again, it's insulting. <laughs> uh, I, I feel both. I hear Brock. I really hear And I understand it. I do it, too. I, first of all, I do. I want to congratulate her. I mean, regardless of, you know, whatever. You know, she got the appointment. And, but also... I do believe President Biden did use this as he used her as a political pawn for his campaign because you know he's, he's faltered in some areas and you know he's he's held his weight in other areas but I think he did use her to you know help gain 
more um black votes. I will say oh, that. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Of course. That's the only thing he used her for. Like, that's it. Like, what what else what else is she gonna do? Like that was just to show like we're still on your side, black people. You love me now. You know, I didn't give you anything that's gonna help you, nothing monetarily. But here's one person that we're gonna give a raise to that's gonna do stuff that may never even affect you in your lifetime. Right. I mean, I know I told y'all if you don't vote for me, you ain't black. But you know, this is what I was talking about. If y'all didn't vote for me, I wouldn't have been able to get her up in here. And you know, one of the other things, you know, he's 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 curving us with is obviously. You know, black people are really you know, for the cancellation of student debt. And what he's doing is, you know, he keeps, um, you know, moving the, you know, the date to start back up instead of just going ahead and canceling it completely. He's just, you know, I'm a, you know what, I'm gonna put a pause on it. I'm gonna put a pause on it. Like now, the next pause goes up until I believe, August, I think. And you know, the primaries are out of the corner, so. Is it a political move for him? Is he is he waiting to the to the to the 12th hour to cancel it to see what his numbers are looking like? Or you know, are they gonna control the Senate? It's it's, it's a lot behind this. So I think that was just one of his moves to to, to, to curve us. Bro, I mean I, I promise, man, I, I will run around this lily white ass neighborhood that I live in and this cul-de-sac ass naked. If he cancels student debt, that shit is not happening. It's not happening. <laughs> so, so what you what you think? Money. What you think? The pauses are are just the what the uh the rockets r- rockets asleep. Yep. Yeah, that's that's exact that's exactly what it's designed for. Like it's it's he's using it as a as a as an anchoring tool to to keep us you know, biting at the, chomping at the bit to say, well, as long as we keep him in power, he's going to do that. But once, for one, I think they're, they're going to, they're, they're tanking these midterms. Cause one, if he has the excuse of not, of, of the Republicans taking over the house and the Senate, then now he can just kick back and say, well, now there's nothing we can do. Just like Obama. Oh, they got control. Oh, what can I do? But with the first two years when you had a, you know what I'm saying? The super majority, you own every, you know, branch of the government, you did nothing. So, now they can have that excuse. So the next two years, when he does nothing, he can just blame it on the other side, and then they'll play the same game again. A Republican will get in the office; they'll have the majority. They'll make a bunch of promises that they 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 don't plan on keeping. They'll tank the first two years, get unpopular, and then we'll repeat. They'll they'll lose the Senate and the House all over again. Then they'll say, "Oh, we can't do nothing because the Democrats won't allow anything to get through," and we're going to keep repeating a stupid cycle until people understand that these two birds are flapping in unison. The left party and the right party are flapping to keep things stagnant and they're going to keep passing tax laws and tax bills and you're 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 going to pay more in taxes in the middle class, you're going to get less and less and your your money's going to fly right out the window and right into their pocket. And they're going to keep making these promises until people okay. start to hold their feet to the fire. It's all BS. It's all smoke and mirrors. You know what I'm saying? So again, I could care less what they do because I know her, him putting her in that position is just putting him in position to buy them some time for these elections. And then once that passes, once that goes, then he's not going to care. Those student loans will be back in a full effect by December. <laughs> it's going to be December or January of 2023. Those are going to go back into effect. And I'm like, well, there's nothing I can do. What do you want me to do? I don't, I don't have the House of the Senate. They're blocking me. 
But he doesn't. He doesn't need the House of the Senate to pass this. To pass this. Exactly decision. right. And he, what did he tell black people already? We're not passing. I'm not doing no executive orders for y'all. Mm-hmm. Mm. So again, he's already made that statement with the black college stuff. So again, he's like, I'm not doing no executive orders for y'all. He made it loud and clear, man. You know what I'm saying? But again, they always have something like this to sprinkle a little seasoning on the black people's vote, make it taste well, good. I, and, and there's also ways around it that I can see happening that'll come out. It'll be something to the effect of it, they'll, they'll have earning stipulations. Now think about this. You know, you can look up the average income per household um, for the U.S., which I think is around 67000 um, on average. If you look at average black household it's around 45 yeah but if you really start to extrapolate that data out yeah i pulled out i pulled extrapolate out you, you do that <laughs> and look at average earning per black household where the breadwinner or breadwinners are degree holders that number goes up significantly so you can do one of a couple of things um you can say okay we're gonna um forgive student debt but it's going to have to uh, but you can't make more than the average earning per household in the U.S. So that's going to excite all the black folks with student debt for the most part and then the black folks who do have student debt but haven't met that earning cap yet they're going to excite some of them by saying hey well and, and before I say this I'm not spe- I'm not insinuating that all black people fall in this category, but you're going to X out some folks just by saying, hey, I know you got a degree and you may have student debt, but if you have any felonies on your record, you can't do it either. Mm. So now there are going to be ways to slowly chip at um, who is able to get it and who is not. Yep. Yep. The machine will eat. I mean, right. Because they're going to want their money. They're going to want their money back from me. So, oh, yeah, they, you know, that's a fact. You know, for my wife, I know they definitely not letting that go. Right. Just prepare, just prepare for it. They're going to come for their bread. Well, right. They don't do anything without getting it in return. Nothing comes for free. Not, everything comes at a cost. And like Brock said, either they're going to, you know what I'm saying, they're going to do it in a way where they say, all right, we're going to, it's almost like the, 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 the Trump tax bill. Everybody was like, oh, you save taxes, you save taxes, you save taxes. But for me, on my end, he got rid of all the itemized deductions. So what he did was, yeah, he cut it to a degree. We look like we got, I got like, I think in my check, something was like, you know, $27 a week extra or something like that. Something ridiculous. But yeah, I lost all of my itemized deductions. You know what I'm saying? So, you weren't able to you know, claim nearly as much. Right, my, none I, of my yeah, yeah, so it's like, yeah, you hand me $2 and you clip my back pocket and all of my change is falling out the back. You know what I'm saying? Then I look around and I'm like, yeah, I got these two nice bills in my pocket, but I done lost, you gave me two, but I done lost seven that I didn't see. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's the gimmick that they play. Those are the games they play. And that's where politically we're not savvy yet. You know, we haven't gotten to that level of sophistication with how we view politics. And just like how Brock said earlier, that whole appointment, getting back to the appointment, that's just a savvy way of being political. They put this person in place to soften a blow when it's time to go to vote. For black people, they could say, man, that black woman would have never got in if it wasn't for sweet, dear old Joe. You know what I'm yeah. saying? And I'm going to vote for him because I want that to happen again. That feels good. You know, it might not mean nothing to me in my, to my life. I will never, there's nothing tangible that's coming out of it. 
It ain't like that student debt. It ain't like funding HBCUs, but that has real impact on our on our on our children, our community. But this, oh man, that black woman, that feels that looks like me. That looks like my mama. That's mm-hmm. somebody's mama. Why wouldn't I want that? So it's it's yeah. a quagmire they put us in. But you kind of gotta get away from the immediate feel goods of it all and see what's the overlying long-term strategy that they're implementing. Oh. And with that said. Another episode in the books. I want to thank y'all gentlemen for always being a part of this and rocking out every other week. And we will... No problem, man. No problem. Man, it's therapy for me. Yes, sir. (laughs) And we'll do it again next week. We'll see y'all out. Peace. From sons to dads, peace. Yes, yeah, sir. If you don't, hey, if you don't hit my man's up and um, donate to his cause, you lame, just like old boy would say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, what would say. <laughs> peace, fellas. Peace. This is called Mike Paper Scissors.